Welcome to the Chasing Capital podcast, where we focus on notable VCs, operators, and founders in their 20s and 30s, giving insight and advice to university students. I'm quite excited to have Graham Carney as the fourth guest on the show today, investor at GGV Capital focusing on design, future of work, product management, productivity, and community. Previously, Graham was an investor at Contrary and 37 Angels, an early operator at Data Miner, and worked in finance at BlackRock. Graham is a BA from Columbia, an MBA from Chicago Booth Business School, and volunteers on the VC Relations and Growth Committee at Black VC, and is a part of the Columbia Venture Capital community. Let's dive in. Starting off, do you think that being early at Data Miner, where you got to see multiple points in the lifespan of a fast-growing company, has been more helpful today than your actual operating experience when working with founders? Um, yeah, I, I, I think this is, I think it depends who you ask. I think people are biased, obviously, in terms of their own personal experience. Like, yeah, I think my operating experience helps. Um, and I think fundamentally, it just, the reason why is because um, you can, founders know that somebody who's been through it is sitting across the table from them. And you probably have like, let's hopefully you have greater empathy for what they've gone through and what they continue to go through. Like a lot of people are, you know, really levering up their lives or taking out a second mortgage. Like they have debt, they have kids, whatever to like pursue their dream. Um, And while I didn't have, you know, my risk profile wasn't as extreme as all that, um, you know, it did represent a risk um, for me, especially early in my career to be doing something like that. So I think I've mentioned to you before, like I took a 40% pay cut to leave uh, finance where I was working and go work at the startup. And back in 2014, or I guess I got the offer like in maybe end of 2013, that was not something you did. <laughs> like the idea that you would leave a large like finance job or like a consulting firm or something to go work at, uh, at a startup. I mean, frankly, you, I mean, even going to Google back then was, would have been crazy. Um, but like going to a, you know, a startup, a tiny one, especially back then was, you know, looked nuts. Um, now, obviously the, the paradigm has completely shifted where that's exactly what you do. But, um, you know, it was risky on a lot of levels and I, I'd like to, um, you know, to think that it, it helps. Yeah. Do you think once you see a correction though, in kind of the, in like the startup funding market that it's, it might go like it might go back to how it used to be or do you think this is kind of here to stay yeah i mean i think generally everything moves in cycles right and there's going to be a flight to quality as i guess like a finance person would call it so people will probably try and do risk off or like go um you know maybe they'll go to a larger company again maybe they'll go to like fang or something like that instead of indexing on startups or maybe folks who would have gone earlier stage will start to go to growth stage stuff again um i I think we're in an interesting spot in terms of the the market or like things cooling off just because interest rates are zero and will continue to be zero for a while. So it's like, okay, well, you know, follow the money. And if there's no other place to get return aside from like, you know, things that are increasingly far out on the risk curve, like VC or whatever tech or things like that, people will continue to chase that, that yield. Um, That's not a, that's not investment advice, but I, it's just like a, a guess based on where things are going. So I think they're going to start raising rates again, 2023, allegedly. Um, I mean, if they do it, like look out below, I suppose. But, you know, I think you're right and that people will probably start moving back to like safer things. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I was just curious because GGV, like not only invests heavily in the US, obviously, but also in China and the, the Southeast Asian markets. Like, How do you balance like for yourself when you're looking at investments between 
spreading yourself too thin amongst these geographies, but while also making sure you kind of get a wide, wide purview of founders, not just founders operating SF and maybe like in Indonesia, for example. Yeah, that's a really good question. I, so I, I love the fact that we invest globally and that's actually not that common um, amongst VC firms. Like a lot of folks just want to do SF in New York. I think maybe post COVID where folks are, where teams are distributed and remote, people are starting to open up to the idea of investing in other um, states or other countries, but we've always been doing that. Um, and so I, like, dude, I take calls with people everywhere. Like I've had mornings where I'm talking to somebody and like back to back, it'll be like Estonia, Armenia, Israel, like Japan, like, oh, I had a call with Japan this morning. Right. Um, and I am, you just have to be really mindful when you think about where, what sort of sourcing mechanisms, mechanisms you're using and where you're, um, where you're like trying to find people. Um, I think a lot of folks, like there are, I guess, tools you could use to sort of automate some of this or like people obviously like share deals and everything, but you have to be really thoughtful when it comes to finding things outside um, of like, let's say North America or even outside of Europe, um, because there is fantastic opportunity everywhere. Like there are really kick-ass companies just growing up everywhere. Yeah. Do you think this is also, has also led you to like consider more, I guess, entrepreneurs with non-traditional backgrounds, even in the US, just being exposed to, as you were saying, all these interesting companies and people in, in different areas that might look that like that as opposed to kind of the typical, typical kind of like founder, like archetypical founder type profile might be extremely different. Yeah, we, uh, it's actually an interesting, like that's a funny question. I was talking to somebody a while ago about this and GGV tends to, we actually, have like an underdog thing here like we really do um we've traditionally i don't know i mean it's not like we're against backing people who aren't but i think historically like we tend to like underdogs here um and bet on bet on things that are not necessarily like consensus um i certainly think that's helpful in a time like this um where things are you know think things that i won't use the word contrarian but like things that are sort of overlooked are i think quite a bit harder, or quite a bit easier to overlook. Um, but I think that sort of like vantage point is helpful. And I think obviously being able to deploy capital anywhere in the world is super helpful. Yeah, I'm actually curious. So you mentioned not wanting to use contrarian and obviously every person wants to say they're contrarian now, especially VCs. Do you think this is actually dam kind of damaging to the ecosystem for not only for VCs, like they might pass up on some interesting deals, but also for founders? When, when when kind of looking at different spaces to explore and whether whether the idea isn't quote unquote contrarian enough. Um, so that's an interesting question. I don't know if it's just like Twitter stuff, like people just say that to be for like marketing or content purposes. I'm not really sure. I think yeah. I guess my general idea is just like have your own ideas and your own thesis about how things are going to work out, and it might take a while, and you might look kind of dumb in the interim, but like. You know, eventually, uh, hopefully, you and the founders you back that go against the grain will crush it. Yeah, and I was curious about the like your recent investment in Yak. So, like, I, I was yeah. I was looking into it, and I was so it's obviously extremely specialized. It's just audio, but how do you see them remaining differentiated when, when like obviously in like you can send an audio text message, for example, or on and then obviously they don't have this currently on Slack, but like they just might add audio functionality in, not that difficultly. 
Yeah, sure. Um, so Yak, yeah, that's an interesting question. So Yak is building a whole platform around that that'll make it harder to, to replicate for sure. But I think to, to, to talk to it, like to um, bring it back to like your question about sort of like global global investing, right? So one of the things that we um, like have seen given our sort of global vantage point is the rise of audio and like using sort of audio like blurbs or snippets to communicate with people. So the first time I'd ever run across this was like the summer of 2016 when my friend from Saudi Arabia like sent me this audio WhatsApp note. And I was like, what the hell is this? And it was, I was like, oh, okay. Like I kind of get this like conceptually even though we don't in, Amer in North America anyway, don't really do that. Yeah. But you see this behavior emerging like everywhere. So it's in the Middle East, it's in Asia. Um, and we've seen this just because we have that vantage point and we're like, oh, okay, and that informs like part of our interest in this audio only like asynchronous, um, you know, investment in Yak. Um, if that like kind of makes sense. I know it's a, it's an early stage company, but they're like really kick-ass guys. No, that, no, that makes a ton of sense. And that, that was, I was just laughing because I was trying to like, I was trying to improve my Spanish over the summer and a lot, and a lot of people I was talking to from South America, they like on WhatsApp, they were using kind of the audio stuff, which I'd never used before. I hadn't even, like had no exposure to it before. So that's pretty interesting. Oh, um, yeah. Now I use it all the time, like socially. And so I was like, oh, okay. Like intuitively for something like this, for enterprise, like for business use cases, I get it. Yeah. And I was curious, like what you think on, do you think kind of this whole, because obviously everybody wants now to, I mean, not just now because of the events of the summer, but obviously in general, it's good for the ecosystem, have more diversity and in general. Do you think that like having more diverse founders or VCs with large check running ability would kind of be a larger lever in really in increasing the representation and such as basically representation in the industry? Oh yeah, totally. Um, I think it's a, a really good thing. I mean, I myself am a diverse VC, so I suppose I'm biased, but like, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a huge net positive, obviously, to have like women or people of color in the in the venture ecosystem. Um, it's a, it. I think you really do need to, like, think about changing the, changing the way things have traditionally worked to stay competitive. And I think it's like a serious asset. It's also like good from like sort of an impact standpoint. But I think that there's no downside to having people who think differently. And have different life perspectives like looking at companies analyzing markets and then eventually hopefully um you know having authority over check writing yeah no that, that makes a lot of sense and kind of going back to this the top of college like what's a typical piece of advice that that's frequently given to college students who who want to who either want to become a founder or just get involved in the tech space that you fundamentally disagree with or just think is misguided uh okay now I'm, i see the thing is i'm trying to think of like advice that college students usually get what i mean do you have an example i i mean okay, an example would be like at least recently people who are interested in entrepreneurship most people are telling them okay maximize learning you should drop out like that's an example or you're like what's the point of going to college you should just like you should just work on what you're interested in like, i guess that would be a typical piece of advice or you should go to brand name places after college because it's uh, looks good on your resume Say those are some I, cool things. Yeah, oh, man. Okay, that's hard. I okay, just to like pick on that one. I guess it's different strokes for different folks, right? Like if you if you yeah. if you genuinely think that like you can if you're you know I don't know computer science wizard you're gonna drop out and like start the next Facebook or something like yeah I go for it I I suppose I think there are, 
it, it depends on your risk tolerance and also like what you, I mean, what you personally think you can get away with. Um, I personally would not have done that. I, I'm glad that I worked at a large company first and then went into startups after that, um, both for like just financial reasons, but also in terms of like trajectory, it's just easier. I personally think that it would be easier to recover um, if you worked at, you know, a place people heard of, and then you do the startup thing, and then maybe you, you know, do whatever else afterward. But like, you know, everyone has a different risk tolerance. Um, I, I guess the more quote unquote traditional path works for, for me. Yeah. Is there a book, a lecture class from your undergrad that has stuck with you? Um, my favorite class at Columbia was Art Home. Um, it was, oh man, it was so good. Yeah, Linda, she's oh, she's a gold a gold nugget on here. She was she was a silver one when I um was there, and now she's been upgraded to gold. She was she's the best. Yeah. Um, I loved I loved art, um, and I didn't expect that necessarily, but it was my favorite class. And and just to close, I was curious if there's do you have a favorite work of fiction that you that you find yourself drawing upon when when thinking about investing or thinking about different companies? Yeah, okay, I have one. Um, have you read, uh, Metamorphosis by Kafka? Yeah. Right. So that whole idea of just being like completely alienated and alone, I think is it, if you do, uh, or getting you or what you're doing is I think a very fundamental part of like working in an early stage, um, company in some cases when people just don't get what you where maybe you haven't raised money and kind of gotten your like, you know, stamp of approval as it were. Or um, if you start, if you start something, that's kind of dark, but I, that's usually what I think of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I think that I think that makes sense. Sorry to bring you back to to, to high school. <laughs>